Orpheus, don't come on too strong. Come home with me. <laughs> Welcome to Coming Out Evil. I'm Harley Honey. And I'm Mick Sedusa. Join, Join our descent into villainy. Hello, evildoers. Hello, it's another episode, a special episode. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> do you want to tell the people what we're doing today? I sure fucking do. So, today we are doing a listen, playthrough, talkback, review situation of Hades Town. And I'm so excited. I fucking love this musical. I've never felt super confident saying when a musical is my favorite musical. But most days, it's probably going to be this one. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I could talk about this musical forever. It just covers so many beautiful themes. And it just, oh, it just really scratches something delicious in my brain so but this is the first time harley's gonna be listening to at least parts of it or listening through it all the way through so i'm really excited to share it i have at most only had like passive exposure to this musical so definitely interested in listening to it because we actually couldn't find a recording with good enough sound quality that it would have worked for today's episode because i want to be able to like understand what everyone's saying you yeah know? how long is this playlist like, does it oh that's say a good question i'm not Total? sure i'm just wondering if the playlist is as long as the videos oh that makes i see what you're saying yeah. to see what that discrepancy is yeah 40 songs two hours two minutes okay so that seems close to the because it was like two hours and eight minutes oh so the bootleg recording that's on youtube is two hours and eight minutes and the music that we're about to listen to totals to like two hours and two-ish minutes so, yeah 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 we're not missing a lot of the plot i do wish that there was like a visual aid but i might do like what i did with hamilton which was like i listened to it first and then i went watched yeah a recording because yeah recordings be unintelligible yeah yeah and i just wish they made it easier because even that broadway hd you have to pay for it and even then i couldn't just search to see if they had it like you have to pay for it first to see their full catalog they'll just show you things to entice you what but yeah so you can't even confirm it before you pay for it so like i don't know we just topic for another day but we need to make musicals more accessible because like the money to go see something on Broadway is already bonkers. But then also with this pandemic, like, I literally moved up to Philly with part of the reasoning being, oh, I'm going to be so close to New York, I can go to Broadway finally, and then this pandemic happened. So, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm really mad about it, actually. But I'm glad you thought to look at the discrepancy between the video and the musical length and noticing how closely related they are, because that is going to come up in some of my context and background info for Hadestown. So I'll figure I'll jump into that first before we start listening, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right, so Hadestown. Who is the story about? It's the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. Do you know that story? Not really. Okay. Orpheus and Eurydice is a classic Greek mythology tale where... Basically, Eurydice dies, and Orpheus makes a bargain with Hades to get her out, and so he has to lead her out of hell, but he can't look back to make sure she's following. He has to trust her. Oh, it's that story. Okay, I be not knowing their names. Yes, and I won't give any spoilers for what happens, but 
you'll hear it. It's also intertwined with a story of Persephone and Hades. Like both of their relationships are plot A, plot B, and showing parallels between the two. And it's all narrated by Hermes, who is also known mm-hmm. as like a carrier for souls to Hades Town. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. And this show was created by a woman named Anais Mitchell. So what is it? It's a sung through musical with a focus on storytelling through songwriting. So whenever she created this, she wasn't an actor. Her musician friends weren't really actors. She really was like very focused on the intent of like being a songwriter and telling stories through song. Whenever you ask if the plot was in all the music, I'm almost like 95% certain it is. And I think the, the discrepancy between the two hours, two minutes and two hours, eight minutes between the playlist and the video show that too, that most of the plot is all going to be in the songs already. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it has such a heavy emphasis on that. And so when did this start? It started as actually a community DIY theater project in Vermont in 2006. Oh, fun fact. Right. So she was like, just, you know, they got a little few prompts and her and some of her friends just kind of got together and did it. And then there was a concept album that came out in 2010. And then its first preview on Broadway was 2019. So she's been working on this for a long time before it ever saw like mainstream traction. So as far as like the setting of Hades Town, it's both kind of timeless and placeless. They don't necessarily name where it's happening. So like I was so curious about seeing it because as you kind of saw in the video, like it's a bar setup, kind of like you're at a bar and they got rowdy and they're like telling stories to each other. So it's kind of just, yeah, it's very much rooted in that this is like an oral tradition happening and it could be anytime, anywhere. But there is a lot of influence from aesthetically, like the Great Depression, some of their clothing and stuff. There's a lot of railway talk. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. But then there's also... um, a lot of New Orleans musical jazz influence too. So both of those things. And then, you know, the why, I mean, it kind of just covers a lot of themes of oral tradition and storytelling, hope, doubt, death, regret, and the importance of storytelling and why we do these things even when they don't always have the happiest of endings. So mm. Town also won eight Tony Awards in its first year on Broadway. Oh, dang. Yeah. Best musical, best score, best direction, best orchestrations. Best Scenic Design, Best Lighting Design, Best Sound Design, and Best Featured Actor for the guy who played Hermes. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> this is completely unrelated to the thing that's coming out soon that also has Hermes in it as a character, right? He's being, like, played by Lin-Manuel Oh, that's Percy Jackson. And- oh, that I've actually seen, or not seen. I read it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read it. There was a movie that came out, too. There was a movie? Unfortunately. We don't talk to Bruno. No, no. Is it bad? Is it that bad? Man, maybe we'll get to that too. But sorry to interrupt. This is like, this isn't a movie. The Percy Jackson movie is like the Avatar movie for people who grew up with the Percy Jackson series. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it was similar realms of being that bad. Like, dang, the Avatar was pretty bad did we watch that together no <laughs> i've never seen it oh you've never i've seen it so i must have watched it somewhere else. it's pretty horrible yeah but yeah lots of greek mythology things popping off and i think Hades Town maybe has a little influence with that because why do you think that greek mythology stuff has been popping off so much you know maybe just how often people are thinking about the roman empire no but <laughs> I think, you know, Greek mythology, they knew how to tell some stories. I think there really is something very timeless about it. And, like, I think, too, something that is so strong in Greek 
uh, storytelling is the fact that there are a lot of parallels between gods and mortals. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, like, they really were not afraid to show, like, oh, they're just like us. Like, it's not like they're deified to the point of being unattainable, like, versions of ourselves that we can never reach or can never dream of being. They're literally as raunchy and crazy and, like, as wild as the mortals are, right? So, like, I think, um, you know, and it helps with, like, things we can learn and where we can grow and stuff when we can kind of see ourselves in many of the characters, but. So, projection. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, I've been projecting on Hadestown all the time, child. <laughs> so, yes, there was also another note. So, I actually watched the Tiny Desk concert where Hadestown came onto NPR and did their Tiny Desk concert. And I remembered in that that Anais actually reiterated how long she's been working on this musical because there's literally a song called Build the Wall. And this, it came out on the Broadway on 2019. So a lot of people thought that song was referencing Trump and his rhetoric and saw oh. parallels between... It went on Broadway 2019, but she created it as early as 2006. Oh, 2006. Yes. I must have misheard you. No, it's okay. So she started in 2006, but it went on Broadway 2019. So a lot of people were like, oh, build the wall, just like Trump. But she's like, no, 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 no. Oh, but she, so she's had to reiterate how much that wasn't inspired by him, even if there are parallels. Mm. Another fun fact, Hades was actually supposed to be the god of capitalism before he, like, drew sticks and ended up being the god of death. So, like, that's oh. one of his minor powers. And we see that, too, in Hades Town. that, like, this version of hell is very capitalistic in nature. And so, like, between the capitalism and the build-the-wall rhetoric and a lot of the things he says, people are just like, oh, yes, Trump. So, um. but... Yeah, so she had to emphasize that she was like, I've been working on this for over a decade. It is bigger than Trump, actually, which I think was an important note to make, that it's like, Mm -hmm. there's kind of always going to be somebody like that, but, you know. Rough. (sighs) Yeah, you know. And lastly, the not-so-hot girl behavior of this musical. Lilius White, who I didn't realize I knew a role she'd been in, and maybe some of you didn't know this either, but she took over for Andre DeShield, who played the original Hermes. And I was very excited, one, that they, like, switched the gender casting on that and I was excited to see her take on it and also one of her previous roles was as a muse in the animated Disney Hercules so they got her to do this and super exciting stuff until there's an audience member using a closed caption device and some of you may know where this is going but she started berating the audience member for recording the show on their cell phone and then uh, they had to be like it's a closed caption device the actor shouldn't be the one berating that's the usher's job anyway because yeah. this is mad awkward now so like in the middle of the show yes like broke character yes what yes i'm a little surprised hadestown has bounced back from that because that was kind of crazy yeah, oh my gosh i feel like the pr for that was just let's not have it be popular knowledge this was hadestown because i wouldn't have known what musical that happened at like i know that story for sure right but i would not connect it to hades town so i think they've done a good job not getting back to that yeah so miss white please chill out so yeah but you know so that's all the context and background i have for this musical because i don't want to give away too much but i have so much to talk about once we start don't forget to subscribe on YouTube here with like all the lyric videos so that I can see the lyrics and kind of get a sense of the plot and whatnot. So we'll check in. 
when we have things to say. Yeah. Okay, so we have thoughts already. <laughs> yeah, so the first song, Road to Hell 1, uh, I was, like, listening to the horn in the background, and I was like, is this a fucking trumpet? Because I think I was assuming it was a saxophone, but the more I listened to it, I was like, this is not a saxophone. And as I pointed it out, you mentioned, like, the vibe they were kind of going for. Yeah, so it's very, immediately they wanted to establish it as very much New Orleans second line kind of vibe, right? So if you're unfamiliar, second line is a very distinct style to New Orleans jazz. A lot of times it'll get played at funerals whenever they do the parade and walk through mm-hmm. with the casket. A lot of people have heard like when the saints go marching in as like second line style. So it's like, right? So like definitely trumpet is the star, which very much cements it as that style because it sounds so out of character anywhere else. So yeah, but like, it's not that I dislike it. It's definitely an interesting sound. It just kind of immediately struck me as different yeah definitely hooks you honestly how many broadway musicals use trumpets i'd be curious to find out because like thinking right like thinking real hard sure not in phantom of the opera the whiz maybe yeah i just don't think it's ever the star yeah exactly so like for trumpet to be the star yeah oh spicy okay so we just finished the first song yes and i could not shake that this man to me like has a very like a very similar timbre to or rather Lin-Manuel Miranda has a very similar (laughs) timbre to this person because like I don't know just the way that he was shaping all of his words I was like whoa did Lin-Manuel Miranda steal this man's whole style Mm -hmm. like I please go listen to the first (laughs) so you understand what I mean like I can't I'm here and so I'm like maybe there's a reasonable explanation like Maybe they're from the same place and so have the same accent? No, Andre is from Baltimore and lived in Maryland his whole life, mostly. And that does sound correct. Yeah. Where's Lin-Manuel Miranda? Like, where was he born? New York. But not Washington Heights. sounds similar to this. (laughs) (laughs) Not Washington Heights. (laughs) And then Mr. Andre DeShields is right now 77. So he was 73 when this was debuting on Broadway. Damn. He was up there doing Broadway night after night at age 73. That's wild. And he just has such a good, like, storyteller voice. Like, you're, like, I just, oh, it's just so good. It brings you in. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, love that song. And also the fact, we noticed too, that the fact they're singing, like, it's a sad song, it's a sad song. But their hype as fuck is very much in line with Second Line. Because, like, as I mentioned earlier, Second Line is traditionally used at funerals because it's like it's a funeral but it's also a celebration of life so at the same time they're singing it's a sad song we know it ends but we're gonna tell it anyway like yeah it's very much i see why they drew those parallels from that style of music yeah and i appreciate the inspiration also like i don't know i feel like this sound is very like black to me this yeah already sounds very black and yeah. liberal to me so i'm curious if that like kind of keeps up yeah yeah, yeah. I love it. (laughs) I, okay. Here's the thing is that I just asked, I was like, wait, was he abandoned by a muse? Because in my mind, like, the muses, well, they're not, like, cute and cuddly or anything. But, like, I don't see them as, like, bad or, like... Malicious? 
Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> but like, I'm not used to seeing them as malicious. But like, something about abandonment of a child, like as a plot point. Yeah. It's always gonna bother. That's me. valid. Like, like, ugh, I hate it. I hate the idea of like a child's parentless. Right. Boo. I am curious if like. I would be curious to learn more about the music. So, like, I've seen them reference the mythology, but I wonder if it was, like, a, they went on to their next artistic project. And it was like, here, mm-hmm. ha, have this kid. Like, you know, like, I mean, it was obviously, like, a malicious thing to do. But I wonder if in their head they're like, oh, I'm going on to my next art thing. I'm amused. This is what I do. This is my job. Like, you know. Ooh. But, yeah. But we, we also got introduced to Eurydice. We mm-hmm. really love her voice. We hear the fate sing, and they have some really cute timbres and harmonies and stuff, so. That's yeah. where we're at currently. <laughs> Your NC's voice is really beautiful. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Also, at this point, the actress who plays Eurydice and the actor who plays Orpheus, they actually date in real life. Oh, cute. I love it. Orpheus, don't come on too strong. Come home with me. <laughs> who are you? Why the man I'm going to marry that? you. Because <laughs> he's naive to the ways of this world. <laughs> I just feel like it's kind of hilarious. So we're in the third song, and it's called Come Home With Me. <laughs> and I just think that it's so, like, silly <laughs> that he's just met this person, and she's like, you want me marry you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But is also, like, low-key chill about it the way I'd flee. <laughs> oh, so you're saying it wouldn't have worked if I came up and I was like, come home with me? <laughs> yeah, no, what? <laughs> I'd be like, oh, are you gonna abduct me? <laughs> Bye! <laughs> Stranger danger. Yeah, he comes on very strong, so. But it is a cute little song, I do like it. And we get a lot of characterization in this, too, because she's like, what can this man do for me? And Hermes is like, he'll make you feel alive. And she's like, oh, alive is worth a lot, actually. What yeah. else you got? Like, you know, so. Yeah. Makes me giggle every time. <laughs> So we just listened to the wedding song, and I feel like I am not in love with Orpheus's voice. Like, it's a good singing voice. It's a great singing voice, even. It it just feels ill-suited to the genre, almost. Kind of white bread, milk toast, kind of accentless. Yeah, it feels like he has no accent at all. Like, his voice almost sounds like the voice you put down on a track as you're writing a song because you want to offer it to another singer. Yeah, you know, like, like it the demo. sounds like that. Yeah, like it sounds like I'm listening to a demo and they've not got actual Orpheus on here yet. Although, right? Like, it's just it's technically sound, it's good singing, but it's like it's not got the character, oomph. right? Yeah. Honestly, I came across in the research that one of the original musicians that worked with Mitchell on her musical before it became like a big thing, like mm-hmm. Community Project Days, was the vocalist in the band Bonavir. Which, if you're familiar with Bonavir, becomes very obvious when you hear Reese Carney sing in Hades Town. Like, it's yeah. very much just like a style. I'm like, oh, I see. Like, it almost does sound like he's trying to mimic him almost 100%. Like, damn. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Jordan Fisher adds to the role come November 20th when he premieres on Broadway. Get a little melanin up in that role. <laughs> see what that does. Because, yeah. Jordan Fisher, if you remember the like pop version of You're Welcome that comes on at the end of Moana, he sings that. Oh, cool. So that's who's going to be the new Orpheus. That's a fun fact. I like that voice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, he's going to play opposite Soleil Pfeiffer, who played, she plays Peggy in Hamilton. Oh, the person who plays Peggy also plays Miss Mariah Reynolds. Ah, yeah, yeah. I, I had to sing through it a little in my head. <laughs> but anyway. 
Yeah. So yeah, she, so she plays both those roles. Yeah. So they're going to be opposite each other as Orpheus and Eurydice. Cool. I'm very excited to see how that goes. <laughs> but yeah, so I love the wedding song, though, especially now as like me and Harley literally can't get married because of capitalism and how hard things are. Mm. And I'm just like, wow, that feels very relevant. Everybody stop getting married and sharing pictures. Thanks. I'm very bitter. <laughs> Bye. But <laughs> so valid. Yeah. Alright, so now we've listened to a couple of songs, and we just finished yes. on Living It Up on Top. Which I didn't really enjoy, because I liked like, kind of neither of their voices. Valid. Hermes is always a welcome, like, reprieve yeah. from Orpheus. Yeah. Is that the same as the protagonist in The Matrix? Is he not also named Orpheus? Oh, I've never that's seen it. Oh, that's gonna trip me up. Oh. <laughs> or like, okay, anyway. <laughs> not me just dropping on the podcast, I've never seen The Matrix. We're about to get angry fan mail <laughs> left and right. I think you're not allowed to get mad at Mixedusen. I heard something bad about like, so we're not gonna get mad at Mixedu so not watching it because how else am I supposed to be like you'll have to show it to me sometime <laughs> like I need something so let me have it also if anyone remembers if there are any problematic ties to these <laughs> creators you should definitely remind me because I just have this like loose sense that I'm supposed to dislike them <laughs> And I just can't remember exactly why. <laughs> Never forgive, always forget. But <laughs> yes, this song also establishes that Persephone has been going back and forth to hell, and so that is the reason that they only have like two seasons, winter and summer, because when she's gone, it's a really horrible, harsh winter, and when she's back, <laughs> yeah. they do an intense summer to make up for it. Yeah. So that's wacky, but. I think that it's definitely interesting to have, like, I'm interested to see how this plot's going to develop, because it seems like, I like when musicals have more than the romantic plot. Like, this musical's not about their relationship, it seems like it's also going to be about fixing this issue, which I would like to, yeah, I'm curious about this song Alan. that's supposed to fix Am I going to be disappointed? Are they not going to explain why the song yeah. fixes? Curious, and I hope they explore it. I also, I think it's interesting that, you know, Mitchell started on these songs in, like, 2006, but, like, now we're in 2023, and, like, as climate change, you know, do what it do, is, like, we're very much coming up on hot, hot summers and cold, cold winters and losing yeah. spring and fall. Like, there's so many parallels that capitalism has brought in real life that she, like, highlights in this musical over the course of over a decade as she's written it. And I just find fascinating. Like, I'm like, whoa. Like, <laughs> it's definitely interesting. Love how art imitates life true i also really like i don't like orpheus's voice or persephone's voice it's taken me a really long time to even warm up to listening to the song i just like hearing the musical all the way through as i go to sleep but i love orpheus's toast in this where and a trust she will provide and if no one takes too much there will always be enough she will always fill our cups and we will always raise them up to the world we dream about and the one we live in now. And just, I don't know, that line about the world we dream about and the one we live in now. I just really like it. It does have, like, a very hopeful undertone to it. Like, this is definitely a very hopeful musical. Yeah. Seems like that's a big theme. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, the musical Black Sun. Almost forgot to mention that. I yeah. feel like Persephone has a little musical Black scent going on. Like, not quite just copying, like, the accent or, like, using AAVE wrong. Like, not like that, but it's, like, the tone that she's singing with does seem like she's trying to emulate, like, a soulful tone, like, a, a jazzy vibe. Yeah. And kind of uncomfortable. 
it's kind of the same thing as like you know there are white people like there's a whole genre called blue-eyed soul where like people mm-hmm. would be surprised these people were white people because they would buy these soul records right but like there are people who get mentored under black musicians and singers yeah and they carry that out and nobody clocks them for it it sounds fine mm-hmm. but when you get clocked for it then it's you know what i mean it's like kind of one of those things where it's like i don't know like there is a way to respect black mentorship and like emulate them and be inspired by them and it like not be an issue but then when it is an issue we got to talk about it because like yeah. it just it if it sits uncomfy it sits uncomfy but <laughs> i feel like the same way about rapping i don't hold the belief that white people just shouldn't rap yeah. I hold the belief that most white rappers are bad at rapping. Ooh. <laughs> like, like, you can definitely do it. I don't think there's a problem. I think it becomes a problem when you're bad. Right. <laughs> like, please be talented. <laughs> right. I don't know how else to put it. If you're gonna copy, that exists in art, and that's fine, but do a good job. Like, don't make a mockery of the art that you're emulating. Right. That's wacky. So, like, let's use the cookout as an example, right? If you get invited to the cookout, metaphorically, realistically, whatever... And the person who invited you makes the mac and cheese every year. And that is their ancestral dish they bring every year. And you're like, oh, I can bring mac and cheese. I also make mac and cheese every year. And then you bring it and it's not up to par. Yeah. Recognize you're a guest at the cookout. Like, make sure you know what you can bring to the table before you're out here offering and then it's just not it. Because, like, exactly. like that's, that's about as close as I can get it to explain also, it. Also, just in. be yourself. Like, roll through some garlic confit or something yeah people eat that shit up and they're like shit we gotta add some garlic confit to the cookout like (laughs) yeah so in short wrapping is like garlic confit be yourself (laughs) and bring it to the cookout thanks (laughs) chow we went on a journey oh my god but Oh my gosh, but this, like, little love song in here. All I've ever known. Something about it feels really sweet, like, very much themes of, like, soulmates, I feel like, is kind of what they're getting across. Like, they keep saying, I don't know you, but it feels like I've known you forever. And I think that that's really sweet. Like, I've always enjoyed that as a way to describe chemistry. Like, when you have chemistry with someone, the feeling like you know someone really well. I also love the line where he's like, I don't know how or why, but who am I that I should get to hold you? Oh! As an aromantic, how does that hit me so hard? Like, what the hell? Like, oh. That kind of reminds me of that song Silver Platter that I want us to do as a duet. There's a line in there that I want to change. Give you the world on a silver platter, would it even matter? Oh, yeah. I don't know that I like that line very much. Like, I kind of get what they were getting at, but I feel like it takes a little too much interpretation to not read initially as, like, Snarky. Yeah, yeah. Or snarky, yeah. I could see you want to give you the world on silver platter, it's all that matters. I yeah, I I was so. kind of thinking it would be my pleasure as a replacement. Oh, cute. Yeah, and I feel like it's a it's very similar vibe, like the you know, yeah, just being grateful to be able to provide. Yeah, yeah. I also just also like how they talk about where she's like, all I've ever known is like trauma and like coldness mm-hmm. and being alone and like now all I know is that I just want to hold you. 
Yeah. And it's just like, I think it's a very, like, I don't know, I think it's like romantic and one of, I don't want to say truest or most genuine. I think that projects a lot of my own feelings about romance into it. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes romance gets boiled down to like grand gestures or like a lot of inauthenticity and like platitudes. But it really does feel like this really strips it back to something really simple and something really mm-hmm. authentic and like, I don't know, I just really like their take on love in this. You know, and like, I don't even know if they've said I love you at this point. They're just like, I just know I want to hold you. And like, this yeah. world kind of sucks, but make me... You change what I've known all this time, which I think is also like a big theme in even our own relationship, you know? Like, this is my first healthy relationship and it's like, all I've ever known is toxicity and now all I know is that I want to change that. Yeah, it's very sweet and like... I think that what I like about it is that it doesn't feel like unique to romance or romantic dynamics. Like, I do think you can feel this way about a friend. Like, you can have chemistry with anyone. True. And I think that that's why it feels so raw and, like, base because it's, like, the root of just loving somebody. And love can go to anybody. It can exist in any relationship. Yeah, very true. Yeah. I feel similarly about your song by Elton John, I think, has a similar vibe of not inherently romantic. That song just also really gets to me, so. Yeah, it's a good vibe. Good vibe. Also, we're realizing this is definitely going to be a multi-parter because <laughs> yeah. we're only on the seventh song. <laughs> <laughs> Out of and we have 30. already 35 minutes of recorded audio, so. Uh, lots of thoughts. We're not even in the meat oh, of potatoes. Oh, 35, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Want to support our passion project? Become a member on Patreon today. So we just heard Way Down to Hades Town. We get introduced to Hades voice actor finally, and he's got a deep voice. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. He's Batman. Because he came to pick up Persephone early. He did. He picked her off too early. She's like, that was not six months, which was not okay. So we meet him. We learn that he'll just do that sometimes and fuck over everybody. And that leads us into the next song where it's now winter and nobody was ready for it. And also, it's just immediately really bad winter. Um, So Eurydice's like, we need food, we need firewood. And Orpheus is like, if I can get my song done, we'll have spring again. And she's like, okay, but also food and firewood. (laughs) So we, and that one's called A Gathering Storm. So, you know, that's the title of that song. Wow. (laughs) You know. Okay, so now, so we, like, kind of the structure of this is, like, we got introduced to Persephone, and mm-hmm. then we heard Orpheus's take on Persephone in the song, the epic. And so we got introduced to Hades, and now Orpheus is giving us his take on Hades in Epic Part 2. So he talks about how when Persephone leaves for the summer up on the mortal realm, the loneliness, like, moves in on Hades. It's crude and it's black, and it, like, really takes a hold of him. And so he's, like, built this, like, very capitalist world as, like, Orpheus says a million hands that aren't his own, right? So they're, like, kind of referring to enslavement that's yes. happening. <laughs> you mentioned, like, literally slaves as a word in the lyrics. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. To build a wall to protect his riches and keep him isolated and closed in. So kind of like his emotional turmoil being reflected in this, like, very capitalist, very dark Hades town. And they also talking about how Hades not only becomes lonely, but whenever Persephone leaves, there's doubt and wondering if she'll come back. Like, Will she enjoy being on top so much? Could she ever, yeah. you know, come back 
and like his love be enough in the underworld where it's all cold and so antithetical to who Persephone is as like a goddess. And Real abandonment trauma. You know, vibes, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of seeds being planted of doubt. Yeah. And like the first time we hear it, as it applies to Hades and Persephone, so they're like not these gods that are like so untouched by human emotions, but yeah, very much paralleling what's happening with them too. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> buddy. So we just listened to Chant 1. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics go crazy. The lyrics go crazy. The writers popped off. <clears throat> like, God. fossils of the dead. Oh! Keep that furnace fed. Oh! Like, I, we're learning about Hades' weird toxic like yeah almost obsession with persephone or rather with persephone's affection yeah and it really hits because i feel like i've definitely been like i've definitely experienced a man being obsessed with not me but with like winning over my affection Mm -hmm. and it's definitely weird and they like i don't know they capture it in a really interesting way because he keeps being like i did all these things for you like think of it as as my love for you and then ending with think of this as my despair like just like i care about you so much it gives that don't leave me or i'll hurt myself like energy like so aggressively yeah also the fact that he's like Oh, you like heat? Heat. Furnace. And then she's like, I like the heat of the sun. This is not right and it's not natural. Yeah. But he's like, that's not his lane. It's a big message to stay in your lane. Yeah. Right? So like for her, sunshine, warmth, she loves all those things. And he's trying to replicate it through capitalism, through enslavement, and it's not hitting because money don't make the world turn. Right? So like another climate change kind of messaging here, like that capitalism will never give us what the earth can. To just how insecure Hades is and he's like entirely out of his lane trying to do it and enslaving all these people to try to make it happen and it's not even what she wants and then also so you'll notice persephone she's like what is this this isn't right it's natural this is what i actually need and he's like but i'm doing this to help this is my love Mm -hmm. for you and then on the mortal realm eurydice is like we need food we need shelter she's getting robbed and orpheus is working on his song he's working on a song and, and hermes is like look up orpheus look up there's a storm gathering and Eurydice yeah. getting robbed. She's trying to find food. She's in the storm. She's alone because Orpheus is so focused on his song. Yeah, and the lyrics there are also really great. Like, she says, Looking high and looking low for the food and fire, what I know we need to find. And I'm keeping one eye on the sky. So she is aware. She is looking up. And, like, I think they, it's interesting they keep kind of contrasting them like that. Like, she's, like, so thoughtful and like low-key pessimistic and he's like hopeful and low-key obsessed and naive right so it's like they're different in that way and then it goes on to say and try to trust that the song he's working on is going to shelter us from the wind and that keeps repeating like her begging for shelter and for him to shelter us like she's hoping that he's going to come through and i think she's not sure because she's trying to trust it like it's just her only option yeah and it's like i think there's something really that's so hard to verbalize that i think they've done beautifully on it is absolutely amazing to have hope and that the world can be different and in the meantime there are tangible needs that have to get met yeah you cannot like whenever he does that toast to the world we could live in and the one we live in now like he's living in the world they live in now but he's leaving eurydice alone in it being so Mm -hmm. obsessed with his vision of how he can change it so it's like i think especially as like radical people or people who dream of revolution like 
we can absolutely dream a revolution, but also, like, we need to meet the tangible needs of people while we're here now. Like, we can't just be like, oh, the revolution is coming, and we gotta focus on that. Like, no, we gotta take care of people now. <laughs> like, yeah. And, like, just that tension, you're right, of, like, him having so much hope in it and her trying to have hope in it, but trying to meet their needs so they can survive to even make it. And him being completely oblivious to that is, like, oh, that tension is so good but painful yeah. to watch like i also think we get information about like the conflict and how it needs to resolve because orpheus says that the times are so hard because of the gods because the gods have forgotten the song of their love so yeah, yeah. Wait a little little taste <laughs> little taste also looking at i think we're gonna end on a very interesting spot in this musical <laughs> just, but my guesstimation so we just heard Hey Little Songbird with two of the greatest vocalists in the musical. <laughs> yes, that song was great to listen to. It's a slap. <laughs> this man who plays Haiti sounds like he owns a ranch. Like, hey, little his songbird. voice is so low. <laughs> it is it's low. Unhinged, it is very low. He also on Broadway plays Frollo in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, mm-hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so his so low versus Eurydice's high, clear voice, like, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> and so in this song, we hear him kind of, there's a little seductive undertone to it, but the words coming out of his mouth are like, I can get you out of here. Mm-hmm. You want to go back to my place and his place is Hades Town. So if you can, one plus one equals two, he's encouraging her and a little bit of uh, action on yeah. her part. But And being like, what, Orpheus is going to write you a song to keep you warm? Like what's that gonna do (laughs) and just like showing her the reality of her situation and offering a way out which Mm -hmm. i think like you know as somebody who has struggled with ideation all of my life most of my life there is a seductive quality to it like there it is and like she sings about too she's like there's a strange song from the stray man i want to fly down and feed from his hand i want a nice soft warm place to land i want to lie down forever right like it is giving she's like tired of like being hungry and being cold and fighting and doing this alone and there's a seductive quality to not having to do those things so they really capture that very well and then with two of the best vocalists in the musical oh (laughs) yeah it was pretty great yes okay so we just listened to when the chips are down and gone i'm gone after like okay so (laughs) we're not laughing at the song it's like (laughs) you had to be there when the chips are down kind of describes like oh what do you do when the chips are down and like then gone i'm gone kind of focuses on us empathizing with her decision or like understanding where her decision is coming from yeah to literally end her life via rattlesnake yeah 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 and the thing is that at the end of when the chips are down i was like oh did she do it and then the next song was called Gone, I'm Gone. <laughs> That's why I laughed. Because I was like, oh, all right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's not funny. No. All. It's not. But I think you're right. Like, as we were talking about it, this 
song and musical is definitely geared towards people who have not faced these things, I feel like. Yeah. It's giving people who see suicide as, like, a morally bad choice or, like, who have never dealt with it themselves and having to get them to empathize with that decision, which is hard for me to wrap my head around, but I guess there are people out there who see it as, like, a sin. Mm -hmm. And literally one of their lines, it's like, it's easy to have your principles when you have a belly full, right? Like, when your needs are met, you can be as principled as you want. But when you're living in a world that hates you and constantly doesn't get your needs met like very functional like food water shelter needs like yeah you know that makes things a little harder so if anyone is familiar with project let's they do like workshops and things Mm -hmm. um, and every year they do an anti-carceral workshop all about suicide and i think that one of the things they mentioned is really interesting like this idea that suicide is a rational reaction to irrational circumstances that we live in, right? Like, like this is not natural, right? Like, not to get on... Natural. Literally, like, not to get on my lefty high horse, but, like, this is not normal. Humans yeah. weren't meant for this. It is completely reasonable that someone existing in something so unnatural would want to peace out. Like, that makes complete sense, and, like, framing suicide like it's an irrational like thoughtless or selfish decision that doesn't make sense or doesn't come from somewhere thoughtful I think is deeply flawed because Mm -hmm. we talk about suicidal ideation like it's just like a chemical imbalance but like is the suicidal person the problem or do they just actually fully understand the dire straits you know (laughs) like is this just someone who cannot ignore how aware they are how bad everything is she literally says that she's like orpheus my heart is yours always was always will be it's my gut i can't ignore orpheus i'm hungry yeah like she still loves orpheus and literally talks about her heart aches to stay but the flesh will have its way, right? So literally, she's like, I just cannot keep doing this. Like, mm-hmm. physically, I am giving out. Like, And that's why suicide prevention is all about, like, meeting people's material needs. Like, I personally only ever feel suicidal when I desperately need money and there's no way for me to get it at all. Like, if I just feel like there are no options, if I come across a problem for which it seems like there's no solution that's when I feel that way and I feel like a lot of people feel that way like I think a lot of people assume and it is a valid narrative to say like oh I'm bad and the world would be better off without me I do think some people are suicidal because of that but I think most people are suicidal because they're like I would be better off not in this world like this world is cruel to me and so I'd like to opt out of it I think that's perfectly rational and so like I don't know, it's really hard. But I think that I like how they have approached it. I think it's really respectful and realistic. Yeah. Yeah. There are two wolves inside of you. One that says you're better off without this world, and one that says the world's better off without you. (laughs) (laughs) They both feel very correct sometimes. (laughs) Not talking from personal experience, but... (laughs) (laughs) I really... Yeah, this song, it just shows so much compassion to people who, like, feel this way. And, like, you know, like, them covering these themes are a big reason why I do listen to this musical so much, because it really does, like put things in perspective for me sometimes I think mm-hmm. and like helps me not feel so alone in those feelings and stuff so yeah. so we just heard wait for me one which is when Orpheus finally realizes Eurydice is not around yeah and is like Eurydice and Hermes is like what do you care you'll find another muse somewhere and he's like where is she I'll go wherever she is and he's like bro 
she down below. <laughs> like, like literally via rattlesnake. I'm never gonna get over that. Via rattlesnake is an eighties town. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Orpheus has realized, oh, I have fucked up severely. Yeah, and I honestly am irritated by the fact that he's like, I'll go anywhere for her, like, do anything. But, like, you couldn't just pay attention to how long she's been gone. Yeah. Like, it's not giving you would do anything. <laughs> yeah. It's very much, like, I think going back to, like, the whole, like, how lost in his hope and optimism he is to, like, mm-hmm. ignoring tangible needs. And, yeah, like, I think it, it parallels exactly, like, the same thing with Hades, where he's like, oh, this is gonna show my love, this is gonna show everything I want for them, and I know that they need this. And it's like, but that's not what they're saying. They're out of their mouth right now, they're telling you what they need. Like, <laughs> just, yeah. you know, men sometimes, but anybody's also comfortable to do this, but <laughs> just the men in the show. Wu Chow, but yeah, I do like that song in general, and I like when Eurydice comes into it later too. She just it's so good. Yeah, I'm excited to hear the rest. Of it. <laughs> I do think I'm feeling like I do, like even though we're not technically at the end of the first act, we listened to 15 out of 35. Yeah, so quite a few of them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we will be back next episode. I hope you all have a excellent Halloween that's coming up in a couple days once you're hearing this, so. Ooh, do it, do it, do it. Alright. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Think you can handle more? Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Coming Out Evil. Our website also has merch, sources, and our original villainy workbook available to download. Check it out at allmylinks.com slash comingoutequal. You can support our evil doing on Patreon, where patrons get exclusive access to bloopers, extended cuts, live streams, and so much more. You can also tip us on Cash App at Yeehaw Howdy and Mixedusa. Stay evil and we'll see you next time. episode. Leave a review.